Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 9, verses 38 through 50. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. This passage follows our one from last week in which we heard um, the disciples arguing against one another, right? Jesus had just proclaimed or just taught that he was going to have to uh, be crucified, died, and buried, and rose again. And the uh, disciples, as they were confused by this a little bit, fully understand it, they started talking about who is going to replace them, who's going to replace Jesus, who's going to be the new leader. Now, they're still not quite understanding everything, because now we get this story in which the disciples see other people out doing good things. And what do they say? Maybe we should stop them. You notice what they say also. It's not that they're not following Jesus, it's that they're not following us. They're not following us. Jesus, they're not following us. We are the in-group. We are the special ones. We are your closest disciples. Therefore, they need to be listening to us. Screams a little bit of insecurity, doesn't it? Nobody is here insecure, are they? We are insecure people. I think this is part of the reason why the Bible is so relevant. If you get to the themes that are going on, 
We all struggle with them. Here, the major theme for these disciples is insecurity. Just this morning, as I woke up, from the time I got out of bed and looked at myself in the mirror until the time in which I pulled into the parking lot, I don't know how many times in which I looked out and compared what I saw to what I am or actually have. Does anybody else do that? And generally when I do that, where do I end up? On the short end of the stick, right? You look in the mirror, I wish I was in better shape. I wish I had a little less here. I wish I had a little more here. I wish, you know, you get in the car and I see one car that's missing four hubcaps that doesn't have air conditioning that works. I get another one, you know, it gets great gas mileage, but it's not the fanciest car in the world. Wouldn't it be nice to have a nicer car? I pull out of the driveway and it's got a big bump that goes down because our driveway has sunk a little bit. Or you pull into it, right, and it's boom. If someone is in the car that's not expecting it, they give out an audible, oh, as they go up that bump. How many times do we compare ourselves to something else? And despite what in reality is really probably pretty good in the whole scheme of things, we see it as all of a sudden it is less than. One of my favorite quotes is, comparison is the thief of joy. Anybody ever heard that before? Comparison is the thief of joy. You know what I mean? You're happy about something. You're feeling good about something. You're excited about something. And then something else comes along. You look at it. And what you had doesn't change one bit but how you feel about it does. And that joy that you once had is now gone. The best way I explain this in my life, I like Apple products. I know I've shared this story with some of you guys before. I have an iPhone. Um, you know, I have a, a MacBook. Vicky has one. It just uses better. I think it, it's... it's I, I feel, and you might disagree with me, but you're wrong. <laughs> See what we're doing there? Comparison. But this is what it is, right? I remember the first time I got a MacBook at the first church I was at, and I remember carrying it around with me. I'd carry it around a little bit more frequently than I needed to. Or I'd try and work into the conversation, because at that time that it got it, remember those old Mac versus PC commercials? Right? I'm a Mac, I'm a PC, and it was cool to carry a Mac, to have a Mac, whatever it might be, and it was like the, the dorky guy that had uh, the PC. So you carry it around you, more often, you work into conversations, you know, accidentally, and uh, you get the reaction of, ooh, you have that, isn't that, right? Isn't that exciting? You get a little bit of attention of it. I remember one time, I vividly remember I was at a coffee shop in which this came up, and uh, someone else had said, oh, you know, I totally agree with you. You know what I just got? An iPad. All of a sudden, where did that attention go? How, all of a sudden, how did I feel about what I had? Now I needed to have an iPad. The problem is, 
If you get an iPad, what comes out after that? iPad 2. <laughs> That's right. The iPad 3. Well, I don't even know what iPhone we're on now. iPhone 13, I think I just saw come out, but there's like a 10, there's a 10X or the XR, the 12, the 12 Pro. All of these kind of things, right? When we put our trust in something that cannot give it, it is doomed to fail us, isn't it? When we worship the created rather than the creator, to me, that is the essence of sin. Because that really infects everything, doesn't it? We so often think about sin, a list of things that we cannot do, that we need to avoid. How do I stay on the right path? Right? I just can't do these things. So then it turns into, what can I do? Or how can I work around the rules? How can I manipulate things? But I don't think that's the life of faith that we're called to, is how do we manipulate how do we work around? How do we just give us a set of rules that we can or cannot do? But how do we truly trust that we are gods? Not we are gods like I'm God, right? We are gods. I want to say God. Is that possessive we need there? We are gods. You're in English, right? We belong to God. And that's where it comes from. You see, what these disciples, they are basing their value and worth not on their relationship with Christ or how Christ feels about them. They are basing it on what these other people are or are not doing and what is their relationship to the disciples. Does that make sense? They care more about what these other disciples, what these other people are doing and what influence they have over them than trusting what Christ has called them to and what God has said about them. And because of that, if Jesus doesn't call them out on it, what are they likely to go do? Go, you need to stop. You can't do this, right? You, all of a sudden, there's this divide that comes up because then they are worried about who's where and what pecking order. They're not truly free, are they? They're really bound. This is what it means to be bound by sin. They're not truly free to live because they are so caught up in what these other people are or are not doing. That doesn't happen to anyone here today, does it? We are so bound. We are so caught up in sin, in our trust being in other things, and not in what God has proclaimed about us, to us, and for us, which then would truly allow us to live. That, to me, is what true freedom is. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound refreshing? 
Doesn't that sound life-giving? Not just for you, but for the world. To actually be able to be sought to preserve things, to be able to use so things last, so they can continue to be used for good, and not finding joy in the demise of something. What's that German word? I always forget how to pronounce it. Schadenfreude? Right? When you find joy in somebody else's mistakes. I get the feeling the disciples would feel pretty happy if those other people that were doing good works, if they couldn't do something, right? They'd probably find a little too much enjoyment in that. But that's not the life we're called to. We're called to celebrate, to encourage, to enjoy, to lift up. What if the disciples in the story would go and say, good job, how did you do that? We've struggled doing some things, right? We have stories in which the disciples said they weren't able to do it. What if they went and said, wow, how can I learn? What are you doing? Where did you get this from, right? What would that mean? As opposed to feeling threatened. So we better shut them down because their success reflects poorly on me because of my insecurity. I don't think Jesus wants us to cut off our hands, poke out our eyes, any of that kind of stuff, right? But I think it hints at the, the severity, maybe, of which we do these things and the harm that it can cause and causes. That these aren't just words to say and then to continue on our way but maybe we need to hear harsh words to really be convicted to help force us to become the people we are called to be. So we aren't stumbling blocks for people. Because I think that's what happens in our insecurity as well, right? We become stumbling blocks. We don't want you to do that because it reflects poorly on me, so we better get you to stop. What if we were to encourage? What if we were to lift up? What if we were to say, good job? Can you teach me? Can you teach me? That's hard to say, isn't it? It is for me. Because if I don't know that somehow I feel like I'm lacking, I ought to be the expert, I, or I just want to be looked upon as. Can you teach me the humility, the security in which that statement comes from? That's the life we're called to. That's the life you have been given. Because God says it's so. Because God says, I love you, and you are mine. Amen.
That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.